0: Good morning. I guess with that intro, I don't have much to say here. I mean, he's kind of told it all. But yeah, um, I am Warren, right? Um, I am a pastoral resident here at Redemption. I am originally from the Bronx, New York. I moved here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go Yankees. Um, I moved here three years ago, actually, four years ago. Jordan reminded me who um, she's actually my wife um, during the time here. During my time here. So the, I, I can still remember the day that I told my parents I was moving to Arizona. And I remember sitting in my mom's room and I'm like, hey, you know, I just got accepted this job in Arizona. Um, I've never been there, but I'm going. And, you know, my mom, uh, I can't mimic. She's from the Caribbean. She's from Guyana. So she has a certain accent. But I can mimic the look that she gave me. She was just like, "Like, you know, it was just like, you're really going to drive across the country alone to a place you've never been And, uh, you know, you've never seen an apartment there or anything like that, and you're going. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And she was like, I'll see you in three months. But actually three, or actually four years has gone by, and I'm still here, and I love being here. Um, I love the congregation here, and um, I've really been blessed by the community here. Um, I met my wife, Jordan. We've been married now for 10 months, actually, tomorrow. Um, And, uh, yeah, you can clap that. That's good. (laughs) 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 Um, I work in the field of logistics. Uh, A friend and I started up a company in Chandler, Arizona, so we're doing third-party logistics. I won't go into exactly what that is because it might take my whole sermon time, Um, but I love my job. I love being there. Um, I think being there has helped me to reflect on God's uh, the aspect of God is like a provider because you know we're working every day to get the things that we all as a society enjoy. You know, people like myself, you know, we're working on getting furniture and printers and aircraft wheels and all those things um, that we enjoy and that help society run. And it's also helped me to appreciate people like truck drivers, you know, who a lot of times go unnoticed by society, but you know they're working tirelessly weekends and holidays to get us a lot of the things that we um, so enjoy. Um, I really began getting, as far as my time here in Redemption, I began getting involved um, in, during the first Affordable Christmas. So I was sitting like right there in the middle section, and I remember the call for volunteers came out, and they were like, hey, you know, we're having this Affordable Christmas. It's our first one. Uh, we're gonna, it's going to be at Redemption at our, our Humbra location, and we're looking for volunteers. And so, um, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I've been here for a little bit. I was like, you know, let me give a, give a shot, you know, let me see, you know, try and serve and see and see, you know, what happens. And so I signed up to be a cashier for half of the day, and I actually ended up spending the whole 12 hours there because, man, I was touched. Like, just to see the way that we came out, or we come out each year as a community to serve a particular community, it's beautiful. Um, You know, it's extremely encouraging to me. It's like something I had never been a part of, and, um, you know, it, it refreshes my soul. So, like, I love the preaching here. I love the community. But every year that we come together and do Affordable Christmas, it's like a reset button, and it really sets my year on the right foot. Um, so I find myself in this space. I'm a logistics manager, like I said. Um, I'm a pastoral resident here at Redemption, but I'm also an artist, um, and so I'm a hip hop musician. Um, if you were here on Easter, like Ricardo said, you know, we had you doing the left to right thing, you know. And you know, when when we when they when we were first asked, when I was first asked to do that. I was a little hesitant at first because I was like, I don't know how rap is going to be, you know, uh, accepted or uh, taken on a Sunday morning, right? On Easter too, that's like our biggest holiday, like that's the biggest day in our calendar. Um, But, you know, once actually I came up here and I did it for, I think it was like four services and, you know, everyone was so willing to participate. I was really encouraged and I just want to say thank you for that. Um, It was extremely encouraging to me and just your support over the years for what we've done musically. Um, has been encouraging to us and all of us, so thank you for that. So that's a little bit about me. Today we'll be continuing in our series in Ephesians. Um, we're going to be reading Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. I saw the ushers came by and gave Bibles. If you didn't get a Bible, you can still raise your hand and get one, and uh, the ushers will give you one, and we'll, that's our gift to you, so you can read and grow in God's Word. Um, but yeah, we're reading today Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, and the verse reads... Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this opportunity this morning. Um, I pray, Lord, that as we dive into your word and we dive into what uh, Paul is telling uh, the church here in Ephesus, I pray, Lord, that we will um, receive whatever you would like us to receive this morning. Lord God, I pray that um, you would just allow us to remember to keep our emotions in check and how important our emotions in are in uh, building a unified community, Lord. Um, just guide us today and uh, let your presence uh, fill this room. In your name we pray, amen. All right. So today, as the verse reads, we're going to be discussing anger. And anger is something that we see very present in our culture, right? From our day-to-day interactions to the way that we disagree on, um, you know, politics, to sports, to justice, whatever, we, whatever the, you know, the issue may be, a lot of times we see anger you know, infiltrating that, right? And you know, how many of us have been on social media and we've happened on, or maybe we've written, a controversial post, right? Let's say on a social justice issue or politics of some sort. And um, you know, of course, we read the full article and not just the headline. But, um, you know, we read the full article, and we go into the comments section. Like, how many of us have done that? Yeah, right? And I'm sure you've all seen how horrible those things can be. I mean, it's just ugly sometimes. You know, people who have never met are just tearing each other down. They're berating each other. They're calling each other all sorts of names that we can't even repeat up here at all. Um, And, you know, it's it's just ugly. You know, these aren't people that woke up that morning, um, went to work, and said, you know what, I wanna share my joy with the world, and I hope to learn something new today. It never goes like that. It never goes like that. It's always somebody slugging and you know, verbally just assaulting each other, and that's just one way we see anger played out, but you know, there's so many different ways, and we're gonna talk about how anger you know, is in our culture and how it's an emotion that you know, Paul brings up here, because if anger is channeled in that way, it can destroy this unified, reconciled community that we've been talking about over these last couple weeks. So um, just to kind of go over, if you haven't been here these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, um, or Paul has been saying, how we're supposed to function as we live in this new community, this new body of believers that's being created through and in Christ. Um, we see God how God is in the business of unifying, he's reconciling all things to himself, and he's created this one body for all of us to, part, to partake in. Um, you know, Paul talks about the dividing walls of hostility being broken down. And, you know, in his day, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. We've talked about, even in our context, the dividing things that, um, you know, we see in our culture, race, ethnicity, whatever it is. You know, those things are broken down or need to be broken down so that we can be one in Christ. And um, as, this, as we're seeking this oneness, something is going on. So there's a putting off of our old man um, our old self, our former manner of life that we um, lived prior to knowing God, when we were alienated from God. And Ricardo described this as like taking off those old clothes that you shouldn't wear anymore. And I can relate to that, because I also had the tall tees and the big jeans, and there's a lot of clothes that I would just never fit into anymore. Or actually, I never fit into them, and I never will. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we're taking off that old self, and we're able through, through the Spirit working within us and within the church. We're able to put on this new self, a new nature, where we're pursuing holiness and growing in maturity and truly learning what it means to be human. Um, last week we talked about putting away falsehoods, so we talked about speaking the truth, right? Um, how damaging lies can be to a, a community. So we're going to continue um, to look at what the grace of God should produce in our life as we seek to maintain this unity and how our emotions play into this. And today's scripture, like I said, it deals with anger. And I'm sure this is nothing, and anger is an emotion that none of us have ever dealt with. But I deal with anger. Right? I, I grew up in an, anger culture, an angry culture. So like I said, I'm from New York. <laughs> you see, I don't even have to say anything. <laughs> I'm from New York. And New Yorkers have this reputation that we're angry. You see, it's in my body movement. See the way I'm talking? Like, it's, you know, it's, it, 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 New Yorkers have this reputation that they're, like, generally angry. You know, I've seen so many different movies and shows where, like, someone comes from out of town, and they, you know, maybe get lost, or they ask for directions, and they're met with, like, a, you know, like, you know, just a rough response from New Yorkers, and I don't think that New York is more angry than other places, I just think the way that we live life there where everyone's always on the go and, you know, we're trying to get to where we need to get to in a, between millions of people, you know, if you're getting in the way of that, people get angry. But I didn't realize I was part of that angry culture until I started dating my wife. <laughs> so, let me paint the picture for you. One day, uh, it was when we first began dating, um, you know, it was... It was I, you know, up to that point, you know, you're in that dating phase where everything is just sweet. You know, everything is nice. I say it isn't now. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's just it's different. You know, it's different. And so, um, you know, we went on a date. We were in downtown Phoenix, um, and I, I, I we had reached recent intersection, right? Um, and so, you know, I do my New York thing. I'm like left, right, left, right. No cars coming. All right. The scientists don't walk, but there are no cars coming. So I'm like, all right. I start walking. And Jordan's like, what are you doing? I'm like, the the street is clear. We can walk. Like, (laughs) we're good. Like, I'm looking as far as I can see, and there's there's nothing there. And so, um, you know, she's like, no, like, I don't. Like, this is not New York. Like, you think the street is clear, but people here don't understand those kind of cultural rules. If you're in the road and they come from nowhere, they're going to smack you down. And I'm like, I just don't get it. Like, there's... Nothing, there's no cars coming, there's no reason why we can't cross the street. And she's like, well listen, like you're not making me feel safe right now, like I'm not crossing the street, what's so hard? Like it, the rules are there, the rules are there for a reason. And that's the difference between my wife, right? She's a rule follower in a way, and I'm just, I'm getting there, the Lord's still working on me there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but you know, in her response actually, I was a little taken aback. And I was like, you know, I was like, what, what? Like, I felt like I made my point very clear. And, um, you know, I explained my position of why we can cross the street. But, you know, it wasn't like that. I didn't respond, you know, in a, I, I didn't make my point or why I felt or, or why we can cross the street in an in a easy or uh, easygoing way. Like, I was very harsh. Right. And I think that's something that's kind of rubbed off of me you know, as being a part of New Yorkers, like the way we respond to things, like this and this. So we have, you know, this doesn't do anything. This doesn't uh, uh, make uh, your point go across quicker, right? It just gives you, like, arthritis and stuff in the shoulders. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) and so, uh, yeah, so, like, that was our first argument, and I was like, man, like, it's something I need to be mindful of, right? Like, these things have rubbed off to me because we're living in an angry culture. But I've been in Arizona now for four years, and I've also learned something about Arizona culture, right? Anger is not just reserved for New York or for a place, right? Every place has its angry things about it. So, I mean, there have been times, I'm driving to work in the morning, and I, you know, operating in all these different spaces, I have a lot on my mind. I'm thinking about the shipment that's late. I'm thinking about uh Ricardo just called me and asked me to do a sermon. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, music. I'm thinking about a song I need to record, right? And you know, as I'm doing that, I'm sitting at the light, and it turns from red to green. And I don't go. And you know what? People here get angry. <laughs> they get mad. You know, um, I think it's, you know, I get it too, because it's 115 degrees outside, we all want to get home, I get it. But man, like the things I've seen, it's like, you're, we've call, I've seen people like go all around me and hand signal me, you know, and they're not saying hello, um, you know. Um, and I've seen this is a you know this is a, this is a part of our day-to-day interaction. So like we said, anger is not a part of or or just just in our day-to-day interactions. It's also in the way that we see our culture play out, right? A lot of times where people make their dividing lands and the, their proverbial dividing lines in the sand, we see anger play out. Um, red states, blue states, right? The right, the left, East Coast, West Coast, Tupac, Biggie, right? Biggie. Um, you know we see anger play out. <laughs> And we see where people, you know, anger, as people draw their lines in the sand, you know, anger is like people are not willing to move their position and they're angry for you to even, for even having a difference in perspective, right? And I think a lot of the ways that we see anger play out, it can lead us to think that it's an intrinsically evil emotion, that there is no place for anger in the life of a Christian. But anger is like any other emotion. There is a place for it. But what Paul is saying is that we have a responsibility in how we respond if our goal is really to grow in community. So we look at the first part of this verse, and it says, be angry, right? Paul says, be angry, right? And let's just stop there. There is some debate as to whether this is written as, like, Paul is saying, like, by chance you're angry, But no, like most scholars would agree that this is a command, so it's written in the imperative form, and Paul is commanding us to be angry. But, you know, when we think about how we see anger a lot of times in our culture, it's kind of confusing. It's like, what exactly is Paul telling us to do here? So we have to unpack it a little bit more. Um, Paul, he understands that anger is going to occur in our lives. You know, the fact is that we live in a broken world. And because of this, we have to deal with the effects of the fall. We have to deal with the effects of the fall interpersonally and systemically. Uh, I'm sure we can all think of things that have made us angry. You know, it's, maybe we've seen them in the news, social media, um, you know, whatever whatever it is. It's not hard. We don't have to go far to look for these things that, may, that should cause us some form of anger. So, you know, I'm, like I've mentioned plenty of times already from somewhere else, right? And many, for many of us, that's our same story. Um, I know it's interesting being here because like, when you meet some, someone from here, it's like you almost want to take a picture with them and give them a medal because it's like so many people from just all over the, the globe and all over the country. And so um, we have this sort of dual existence. Uh, we love Arizona, but we're still connected to our hometowns, right? We're still connected to Chicago or Portland or, uh, you know, wherever we Seattle, wherever the Lord has called us from and brought us from, you know, uh, we still have those connections and the same goes for me. So I still follow New York news very closely because, you know, when I pick up the phone and I talk to my mother or my sister, um, you know, it allows me to like, or my dad, like it allows us to still feel connected, allows us to still feel like we're on the same page and I haven't missed as much time. And so one story that really caused me a lot of anger was just a couple of weeks ago, you may have heard about it, you may have not, Um, there was a story in New York about a teenager who had been dragged from a store by gang and fatally assaulted, and you know what made the situation worse is it was a case of like mistaken identity, and like there were people around and they didn't really do much to intervene or to help. And so you know there's videos and there's like images of this kid just you know his life, you know losing his life right in front of us, and it's ugly, right? And you know reading this story, it made me very angry. it made me want to see, like, justice come about. It made me want to see this kid's life avenged. I was angry, you know, to see his sister and his mother in pain and brokenness for their brother and her son. Like, it made me angry. And, you know, hearing stories like this and the other ways we're confronted with sin, and again, we don't have to really think too hard about this. You know, we see it every day. School shootings, uh, bullying, you know, all these things, these evil things that we see in the world, they should cause us to feel some anger, Right, we're angry because we know this is not how it's supposed to be. You know, this is the sort of anger that's commonly referred to as righteous indignation. Um, this is the anger that we see that gets angry at the things that God gets angry at. And even in this, right, how do we respond? Do we seek revenge? You know, do we go and try to avenge God's name? Uh, you know, because we feel we have this righteous anger. But Paul doesn't say that here. He doesn't say, be angry and take matters into your own hands. And I, I make this distinction because you know, we've seen this gone wrong. You know, we've seen people in the name of God do some horrible things, right? And that's not what Paul's instructing us to do here. Um, I remember a couple of summers ago, I was here at Redemption, and there was just generally a lot of anger in the community um, around something tough, right? It was police-involved shootings. People were angry. There was a lot of anger in the culture. And I remember our stance. I remember that you know I really admired the way that as a church we took the stance of praying and lamenting. But what if, in our anger, like we took sides, right? We know the narratives out there. This side is all bad, and we should be rioting. Or this side is all always good, and you know these people deserve to die. No, we didn't take that stance. You know, if we allowed one of those two narratives that are rooted in the culture to be our stance, it would have been hard to say that our goal was like pushing towards community, right? Like it would be say it would be hard it would be hard to make that argument or justification it, it, you know what we would be doing there is dividing polarizing people between two sides but no um, as a community what we did we came together one I think it was a Friday night and we prayed for the officers who put their lives on the line each day and we lamented the loss of people right of lives and I think this is a very healthy way to deal and respond to things that we should be angry at we need to be angry we need to care about the brokenness that we see around us. We need to commit it to prayer, asking God how we can show the love of Christ in those spaces and the places where sin presents itself. So we see anger, right? And this emotion of anger is something that God has given to us, and it's displayed throughout Scripture. I'm just going to run through a couple passages here um, that we, where, where we see God's anger at, at work. Um, one of the more commonly known stories is of God getting angry is when Jesus, he enters into the temple... Um, you know, Jesus, the fullness of the Father, he enters into the temple in the, passage of John, in the gospel of John, and this passage is known as the cleansing of the temple, right? So Jesus is in Jerusalem, he enters into his father's house, which is supposed to be a house of prayer and worship, but what does he see? It's like a marketplace, it's a mall, it's like the Amazon of Jerusalem, like people are selling cows and oxen, and um, you know, it's like, it's not what it's supposed to be, and Jesus takes quick action right, and restores the temple back to its correct purpose, right, and even, you know, if you read deeper in that, what the money changers and the people were doing, they were blocking the entrance of the, the, the people who wanted to worship there, right, so Jesus sees some anger there, or Jesus feels angry at that, right, and also, you know, we read on in the book of Mark, there's a passage where Jesus, again, he's entering into a synagogue, and it happens to be on the Sabbath, and there's a man there with a withered hand. So, this withered hand, like, I want to put ourselves in the shoes of this man, right? He's there, you know, he has this disability, and you can imagine he's probably been dealing with this for some time, watching his hand get worse and worse. Like, that's painful, right? I'm sure some, any of us have gone through that know how painful that is, to see our health, you know, deteriorate. And so he's watching the condition of his hand get worse, and I can imagine, like, in a society where, like, you don't really get a desk job unless you're, like, probably making desks, or something, but like there's, like there's no, there's no like desk jobs. Like you're working with your hands. I'm sure there's some hardships that you know goes alongside that with having this, debil- this disability. So he sees Jesus walk in, and I'm sure he's just like, I just hope, like he heals me. God shows up in this moment, and like my hand can be restored back to his full condition. And Jesus does. Jesus heals the man. And so you know there also were um, Pharisees or the religious rulers of the day. And they witnessed this miracle happen in front of them. And you would think their response would be like, this is beautiful. Like, wow, this is a miracle. Like, God is right here with us. He's healed this man. Like, glory to God. But no, their response was like, you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. Like, how? Like, you know, sometimes you read things like, oh, man, how? You totally missed it. And this made Jesus angry. The Bible says he looked around and grieved at the hardness of their heart. He's like, how can you not see what's happening here? How can you know scripture so well and not see that God is right here with you, right? And so I read through these two passages, and I think my initial flinch was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, God gets angry at sin. Like, I think we know that. I think people who don't even know much about Christianity or God or Jesus, like, they have an idea of God as being like a tyrant who gets angry when we mess up, right? But it goes deeper than that. Okay, so yes, God is righteous and just, and sin is a total affront to him, but I think where we look at God's anger coming from, it's not because he's fundamentally angry, but it's because he loves us, right? God created the world, and he loves it, so he hates the way that sin separates and destroys us. He grieves for the brokenness we experience, and out of his anger, it's like an expression of his love, right? And, and, and you know, you we, we can look through the gospels in instances where you think Jesus would be angry. Like, for instance, like, the Pharisees calling him demon-possessed, right? He didn't, he didn't get angry there. You know, he wasn't angry when, you know, the religious, religious leaders came to, like, take him away, right? He wasn't, wasn't angry at that when he had to go to the cross knowing what he had to suffer. But he was angry at the injustice that causes people to not be able to worship God in his father's house. His anger is centered in his love. God's angry. He hates when people are sick and we have to suffer, you know, with diseases, right, and these horrible things. He he gets angry when a teenager is dragged from a store and beaten and his life is cut short. Um, And even when we see God's wrath or judgment right against sin, it's his love that's in action. He desires us to not live lives controlled by sin. He loves us so much that, you know, even though that, you know, we should bear the full brunt um, of his wrath, what does he do? He sends his son, his only son to earth to die and to bear that punishment so that we don't have to be separated from him. So we see how God's anger is centered in his love. But what about our anger? Is our anger, you know, can can we call our anger a righteous indignation? Or is it really concerned with the kingdom, the rights of the kingdom, you know, justice? No, no. You know, generally, our anger, our human form of anger, which um, James says, the book of James says, does not produce the righteousness of God. What is it centered on? It's centered on our own concerns, our own rights, our own um, uh, kingdom, and our own inconveniences, right? It puts, our human anger puts pride before unity. It puts safety before unity. It puts being right before living at peace with each other. And this is the total opposite of the community that Paul's been describing here through Ephesians. His community that he's describing is centered on love. It's centered on grace. It's centered on patience. All these things with Christ at the center. And, you know, unfortunately, I've been a you know, part of Christian culture for some time. And I've seen anger play out in a couple different ways. And I'm not saying this is an exhaustive lift. But, like, two ways that come to me as I was thinking through this are, like, a, you know, the ways I've seen anger take place in the church. So I've seen anger play out in the church community where uh, people get into conflict with one another because it's going to happen, right? Because we're all sinners, like, we're going to annoy each other. Community's difficult. Like we, all, like, we have some knowledge of that. Maybe we don't know. If we don't know, I'm telling you. Community's difficult, right? Um, there's going to be, you know, times where someone gets on your last nerve or, you know, you're going to question, like, why am I even doing this, right? And so I've seen that happen. And, um, you know, two, so like I said, people get into conflict, and then somebody just throws up their hands. They're like, I'm not going back to this church, I'm not going back to this community. I'm not going back to this Bible study. I'm not serving in this ministry anymore. I'm done, right? And um, in that, what we've seen sometimes is that people isolate themselves, right? And Ricardo talked about this last week, that lie of isolation where it's like, we don't need people around us anymore. I could do this on my own. And this is a prevailing like, notion in our culture. It's like, I don't need anybody. No, but we were designed to be together, right? So isolation is a complete lie. You know, we, 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 live isolation says, you know, I can re- replace the potential pain of being hurt, uh, rejected, or betrayed. But what you're doing actually is replacing that, those potential pains with the pain of loneliness, with being alone, right? That's not how God designed this, right? So isolation is, is not a way for us to act, you know, in our community or act out in our anger when, um, you know, when these things come up. Uh, another way I've seen um, is that, You know, sometimes we don't want to isolate because, you know, like isolation is almost like picking up your toys and going home. And a lot of us don't want that impression of us. It's like, oh, man, like he got mad and he left. I haven't seen him since. Like, you know, we don't want that impression of us a lot of times. But what we try to do, and I'm going to say try to do it because it really can't be done successfully, is to take the anger that we have and bottle it up. You know, stuff it deep inside within us and say, you know what, like everything's okay. You know, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to, you know, rock the boat. And in that that anger, we think, like, we're tricking ourselves to think that we could hold it in. But I've heard, like, this bitterness, right, this bitterness described as a beach ball. It's like you got a beach ball in the ocean, right, and you're trying to hold it underwater. Eventually, it's going to come to the surface. And usually when we allow bitterness to just lie deep within us, when it comes to the surface, it's ugly, right? It's not something pretty, right? And so... um, You know, we have to be careful about these things. We're trying to be a community that's striving to be at peace with everyone. And we have to weed out this bitterness. And what happens when we choose to handle, you know, anger this way? When we choose to isolate or we choose to just hold it in? As verse 27 says, the the devil is given or give no opportunity to the devil, right? And so what we see there is that the devil is given an opportunity when we choose these two paths for our anger. We allow him an entry point, right? The Bible says the devil's like a roaring lion. He's seeking to kill, right, destroy and steal. And, you know, in this culture, I, you know, sometimes I know we don't talk about the devil or the enemy because maybe it feels weird or mystic. The culture on front, we probably talked about it too much. But, um, you know, um, you know th- th- there is an enemy um, who does not want to, who wants to see us destroyed, right, who does not want us to live um, uh, by, the, by, the, by the commands and, and live the life that God has planned for us. And so, you know, we have this enemy, and when we try to isolate or try to just work out of our bitterness, you know, we see that he's allowed an entry point. And, and community, it's more than just accountability. Um, when the devil, like, isolates us, he just leaves us alone with, like, our own thoughts running around in our own heads, right, that are just lies, right? Fills our heads are lies, and there's nothing to counteract those lies. There's no community around you to love you, to speak truth to you, to uh, uh, walk with you through your toughest moments, right? That's why we have to do this together, right? Um, when bitterness, um, and, and it, actually, before I move on from there, like, community is it's the place where God is continually like converting us, right? As we live in community, we love, right? We forgive each other. We pray and serve each other. We grow in maturity. We're embodying Christ's continuing presence on earth. And like I said, we can't do that on our own. And when we allow bitterness to take hold, what happens is the enemy builds these offended places in our minds, right? And you know, it's, it actually like stalls our growth because we start making decisions out of our bitterness. Right. And then justifying it. Oh, this person was did this to me so I can be this way. You know, it's it's it stalls our growth. And, um, you know, it's if we're seeking to live in a deep, authentic community, then our, in our anger, we have to be careful to not fall into these traps because ultimately it will destroy us. The solution here is, as Paul says, do not let the sun go down in your anger. And I remember reading this when I was younger and I was like, all right, I can do whatever. As long as before I go to sleep, we resolve this, we're good. Um, But no, that's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying that we need to seek quick reconciliation, right? We can forgive because Christ forgave us, right? He's forgiven us every day of our own sins. We can forgive because Christ has extended us grace, right? We have grace through the cross, and we need to extend that grace to each other. And ultimately, we need to speak the truth, too. You know, like we talked about last week, if we're just trying to just hold it in and lie like everything's okay, it's not doing you any good because your bitterness is like a cancer. It's going to eat away inside you, and eventually it destroys our relationships as well. So ultimately, you know, we need to speak the truth of how we're feeling and ultimately seek Jesus. You know, have, you know seek Jesus in prayer to guide us through these, how to handle these moments. And it's, it's and it, like generally, in my experience, it's a lot of work to be constantly angry with people. Like, you have to, like, it dictates, like, your whole day. You have to do things outside of the normal to, like, maintain your anger. Like, you know what I mean? Like, forgiveness is freeing. We have that freedom, like, in Christ who, you know, forgave us. Like, we can, like, when you forgive, it's, it's just freeing. It frees you from this bitterness and this uneasiness and this thing that's growing inside you that, like I said, it'll destroy you. So, interesting thing about anger Here is it's like, usually anger is not the disease. It's not, it's like a manifestation of like deeper things going on inside of us, right? Jordan, she's a mental health therapist. And, you know, she has people who walk into her office who are like, say they have anger issues, right? But, you know, she uses this helpful diagram to kind of walk them through and help them see sometimes it's not just what you think, like your anger is a symptom of something going deeper, so. So what do we have here is the anger iceberg, right? And so when you look at an iceberg or whenever someone looks at an iceberg, I'm guessing like a scientist looks at an iceberg, you know, um, you see like 90% of it is below the surface and only 10% is on top, right? And we see those emotions underneath. We see those things that are driving our anger in a lot of ways, right? We're feeling embarrassed, overwhelmed, grief, annoyed. That's a big one for me, annoyed. You know, exhausted, all these different things that are driving, our ang- are driving our anger. And a lot of it, some of it is like, okay, but a lot of it is just, just our pride a lot of times being damaged, right? So we really need to search our anger and be careful before we call anything like a righteous indignation. I think a lot of times our anger that we show is not necessarily a righteous indignation. Um, and so I was thinking through this, and I was like, all right, what would my anger iceberg look like, right? And I had a drawing of it, but I'm just going to, just imagine with me, right? Imagine with me, right? Um, One thing that would be up there is a lack of appreciation. And I say that out of my space as an artist. So I make music. And I make music in a culture that wants things quickly. They want it yesterday. And, like, if you released something two months ago, that wasn't soon enough. Right? And I'm like, you know, that upsets me. Man, like, it makes me frustrated because, like, I've had people that have come to us and be like, hey, when are you going to release this next project? Like, you don't know the time, the effort, the, you know, the time spent away from family, all this stuff. You know, it's just, it's just to me, it's like inconsiderate, you know. And, you know, no one has to come up to me and apologize for anything. I'm not upset. I'm just, you know, it's just something that we deal with as artists. And, you know, in those moments, you know, if I operated my anger, maybe I'll say, you know, you know, I'm done with this. But, no, God has given us this gift. Right, and we continue to steward it well, and not let the culture dictate how we use it. So um, that's the anger iceberg, and you know, some of us, you know, we can think of our own personal anger icebergs. Um, you know, maybe there'll be, so maybe some of those emotions will be up there um, similarly, um, and maybe some of those emotions are up there for us, but they're not directed towards another person. Maybe some of those emotions are up there for us. And they are actually directed towards God, right? Um, Some people, you know, some of us are angry at our lot in life, you know, we're disappointed, um, you know, the way things have turned out, you know, we're disappointed maybe that, um, you know, there's some sin that happened and there's some guilt and shame when we felt like God wasn't there for us. And I won't stand up here and pretend to have all the answers for that, but um, what I can say is that when I experienced those emotions or those things, um, what I did was I uh, spoke to God honestly in prayer. You know, I laid it all out um, and talked to him and talked through my frustrations. And I also, you know, spoke to people in my community, you know, who have been further along in the faith and have like, we like, hey, like, you see it this way, but God has used this for his glory, Right. And um, sometimes we need those other eyes or those other people who are outside of the situation to help us take a step back and look. Um, but, yeah, I, un- I understand that. And I can't say that God loves you. He understands. Like we said, he's frustrated with a lot of the things that you know, we're angry at as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fallen world. So these are, these are that we, uh, he understands. You know, he understands your pain. So um, as we will continue on. In Ephesians, Paul will continue to show us how Christ is at work in his church, and how um, we cannot, um, how we can avoid anger being the force that breaks us apart. And rather, as we're putting on this new self, we can be kind, tender-hearted, um, grace show grace, forgive each other as Christ forgave us. As we continue to press towards growing in community, Amen.